You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Windy City Gridiron Radio with you, as always, your host, Robert Zaglinski. And I am pleased to be joined by my supposed identical twin tonight, Aaron Lemming, who I believe since the last time we actually recorded a podcast together, this is the first time where you are part of the same team at Windy City Gridiron. So um, this is my official congratulations over live air, Aaron. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, I think this is this is the first one, so it's it's yeah. good to be uh, good to be doing this as a part of the team now. You know, it's been a few, it's been a few months, and I'm an awful person, so I don't think I ever actually just said anything. I think I just sent you like Thanos rings or something. Yeah, yeah like well, the, you, yeah, we were, yeah we were adding infinity gems or infinity. Yeah. Well, you kind of you kind of I mean you kind of knew about this anyway, so it was kind of one of those. You're one of the reasons I'm doing it, so you know. Aaron, stop it! I, I know I'm great. It's fine. You don't have to. You don't have to let everybody else know. <laughs> Let's. Uh, you can follow Aaron on Twitter at Aaron Lemming NFL. You can follow me on Twitter at Robert Zuglinski, and follow us on Twitter at WC Gridiron. And we're gonna jump right into it. Um, the news is old by now. By the time you listen to this, it'll be a Friday morning, Friday afternoon. Uh, Roquan Smith is back, Aaron. Yay! I'm clapping. I'm miming clapping. Roquan Smith's holdout is over um, after missing the entirety of camp. I'm not sure if it was just because he didn't want to spend time in the awful dorms in Bourbon A at Olivet Nazarene, or um, if, it were, if it was legitimately due to the la- the fine print language in his contract, whatever the case it was, uh, he rejoined the Bears this week. He signed his four-year $18 million deal, and he traveled with them to Denver and was immediately in full pads and was calling defensive signals, signals for them on Wednesday as – the Mike linebacker, everybody um, said that he would be and that he would be the face of this defense. Uh, did, did we overblow those three weeks of practice, Aaron, or three and a half weeks of practice? I'm starting to wonder if we might have. Uh, I'll be completely honest. And I mean, my expectations before he had signed was kind of the fact that he probably wasn't going to be very involved and he'd be lucky to play one preseason game and have a full week of practice. And then, you know, he wasn't going to start week one. But I think. As we're seeing things progress right now, I think it's it's pretty optimistic. But at the same time, I think it's becoming more realistic that there's a pretty good pretty good chance that he could maybe you know play a series or two this week, and he should play a decent amount uh, next week. But I think he might be ready for week one. And and people keep this is and I called people out on Twitter for it, and it was kind of a joking thing. But at the same time, it's not. It's like. Now we can finally stop pretending like Nick Witkowski is somehow even close to the same type of player that Roquan Smith is supposed to be. If if Roquan Smith's even close to Nick Witkowski over this next few weeks worth of practice and games, then Roquan Smith is going to be starting. And I, I think that's going to be the case. And I think that Roquan Smith is probably going to be better. Yeah, I, the thing with the Kwiatkowski then, and I, I was one of also, I, I kind of also joined you, joined in on that with you, that, that conversation is that 
that was more of a Bears narrative than him actually flashing. I was there every day at camp, and I'm going to say that he's he looked better and more comfortable than he did in his first two seasons. But the but the way that you'd hear the Bears talk about it, or then the way that you'd hear other tweets and other reports, they they made him sound as if he was playing at an All Pro level, that he was going to keep a top ten pick like Roquan Smith out the field. The Bears drafted Roquan Smith to take Kwiatkowski's job because they liked Smith's ability more. And the fact that Smith is already calling signals for them, like we, like I just mentioned a few minutes ago, and like you said, that just everything paints the picture of him immediately stepping into that role, regardless of all the supposed good that Kwiatkowski accomplished in Bourbonnais. That was that was such a weird narrative to me, and I, and to me, not that it matters now, but that was just part of the Bears' kind of public relations battle they were privately or subtly holding with Smith. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I think uh, it's it, there was definitely a PR play in there. I mean, there's 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 no doubt about that. And I think some of the, I guess you could say, the reports that were coming out definitely seemed Bears flavored. But I mean, either way, I, the way I look at it is, I think Kwiatkowski is a guy that maybe even you know middle of this year, next year, whatever it may be, this is somebody who can be a, a decent starter but uh, much like adrian amos and to the dismay of many the reason that Kwiatkowski can be a solid starter is because of the talent that he's going to have around him and i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that a guy like roquan smith has to be there even a guy like danny trevathan you know it, it's just a it's a situation where he is more of a supporting player then he is going to be at the forefront of their linebacking core. But the good news about this is that not only do they have good depth, uh, but this is also a situation where Nick Kwiatkowski, some of his best damages come against uh, inside blitzes. And I think this is something that we're going to see a lot more of this year, and I'm sure we'll get into it more as we get into this podcast. But the Bears have a big hole uh, pass rush right now, and I think that even if Kwiatkowski isn't starting per se every single game, I, th- I think he's still going to see some some reps, whether that be – at inside linebacker, whether that be in random formations, whatever they do. But I think he's still going to have a decent role on the team. But, I mean, the ultimate reality is you don't take an inside linebacker in the top ten unless you think the guy's going to be a star. Uh, I really like Roquan Smith, but the expectations have to be high at this point. I mean, I I would say I'm going to go against the narrative of what the Bears have pushed out, and I'm going to say you should expect him to start week one, and you should expect him to have a good rookie season. You don't take an inside linebacker in the top ten if that isn't going to be the case. That's what I was going to lead into next, Aaron. What I, 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 I'm going to have you go a little with a little more hyperbole because you've said you've said privately as much. What are reasonable expectations for Roquan Smith his rookie year, and let and compare it to the other rookie, the other top rookie defenders in the league? What should we see from him? I, I, I for one, and and, and just gauging based off what you said and what you told me, uh, that these think that these three weeks will matter little in how he plays in 2018 or the missed three weeks that is. Yeah. I, I, I think, I mean, and like you definitely have a little lower expectations than I do, but, and I guess this is kind of giving away something that I'll probably be putting out a few weeks on Windy city gridiron was, you know, just some bold predictions or whatever, but I think that Roquan Smith should be in the running, if not win rookie of the year and a defensive rookie of the year. And obviously that's, that's all dependent on what happens, especially with a guy like Nick Chubb. But I think when you're a guy like Nick Chubb, or Bradley Chubb, sorry, yeah, (laughs) Nick Chubb's running back, Bradley Chubb. But when you're a guy like Bradley Chubb and you've got Von Miller next to you and you've got the different options that they have, I mean, they have have a deep amount of pass rushers. So I just – 
I don't know. I, I look at the situation and I say, okay, a guy like Roquan Smith, if he plays all 16 games, I think they healthy. There's no reason why he can't total, you know, 115, 120 tackles. Uh, he's gonna have sacks because that's that's one of the good thing, that one of the things that he was good at uh, at Georgia, and especially if you sprinkle in a few turnovers, interceptions, especially. I mean, he's he's one of the quote unquote sexy picks uh, for defensive rookie of the year, and I think he was what second overall in odds or whatever it may be. But I mean, that's the kind of production in my mind that you need from an inside linebacker taken at number eight overall, and I'm gonna go ahead and say that those should be the expectations. I don't necessarily agree that he shouldn't be with the, in the running. I'm just, I'm just looking at how the voters have voted on this in recent years. Uh, an inside linebacker hasn't won this award since 2012 with Luke Keekley. Since then, it's been Marshawn Lattimore last year, Joey Bosa, Roquan Smith's holdout brother that everyone wanted to compare to in 2016. Like I said, Marcus Peters, 2015, Aaron Donald's 2014, and Sheldon Richardson with the Jets in 2013. So that just more paints to me of a picture of voters vote looking at these field tilting positions or these positions that get those eye popping stats like like sacks or picks or in the case of Lattimore just being the best cornerback on a team that probably could have went to the Super Bowl if not for a last second hail mary collapse. So, but I'll agree with you. If Smith can get those sacks, which is something he was very good at Georgia, if he can get those flash plays, if he can get a pick or two, if he can get some forced fumbles, this isn't the normal year where there's that kind of superstar pass rusher aside from Bradley Chubb. There isn't that kind of corner I'm in love with, like a Lattimore or a Peters, that is going to ball out and get six or seven picks as a rookie or be the catalyst for a great defense. They're, the field is really thin, and to me, Smith, at least from a media impact standpoint, just stands out so much above them. So it's so much above them. So it looks like, I mean, th this could go fully bears and something happens to him and he pulls a hamstring and everyone blames it on the holdout or something. But it looks like the path is clear for him to get the award, depending on how much that matters to you. Yeah, and it's, I think it's more of an accolade. I mean, ultimately, as long as he stays healthy and he's productive. And, that, and that's kind of the thing is the Bears have a solid defense. But I think right now when you look at other teams and, you know, Minnesota is probably not the best example because they're one of the best defenses in the league and, you know, so on and so forth. But the, the Bears don't really have much star power. I think Akeem Hicks is vastly underrated. I think Leonard Floyd's one of those guys who could end up having, you know, 10, 12 sacks this year and everybody looks at it as an elite pass rusher. But – Right now, when you when you really look at what they have, they don't have a ton of star power. So it would be great for somebody like a Roquan Smith to to come out and be that kind of player. And ultimately, you know, especially with them being a drafted player. But I just I they they're going to need some kind of boost. And I think that Vic Fangio, more than a lot of people are leading on to right now, I think that Vic Fangio is going to have to be very very creative this year and how they get to the quarterback and how they do different things. And I have no doubt that he can do that. But I think that somebody like Roquan Smith with his speed, with his instincts, is going to be a big part of the defense, and he absolutely should. Not to mention the fact that when you think of Chicago Bears football, I mean, you think of linebackers. I mean, that's just the thing. So, I mean, what better way to kick off a new era of Bears football after sucking for God knows how long is to – Seven you know, years, man. Seven years, be honest. Yes. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, that's fair. And, you know, well, what better way to kick off a new, you know, a new generation of Bears football that's actually good and fun to watch – than having that star-studded inside linebacker. 
let's flip gears away from Roquan Mania. I'm sure we'll come back to it in a bit. Let's go to the offensive side of the ball. And the Bears, like I mentioned, were visiting the or are visiting the Broncos this week. They had two joint practices in advance of a preseason game on Saturday. And there were a lot of positive offensive reports. You had the tight ends, which <clears throat> yours truly was one of the really the only people to point out consistently verbenate that this was the Bears' best offensive position. You had <clears throat> you had Trubisky looking generally sharp. But to me, the story and in what is to me, the weirdest controversy over the past week and a half or so is what the Bears have at center. Cody Whitehair, despite James Daniels' stellar game, again, with the number twos, but it was still stellar and dominant against the Bengals, um, the Bears are sticking with Cody Whitehair at center despite struggles snapping the ball despite struggles he apparently had this week snapping the ball you had a defiant Mitch Trubisky uh back at center which I mean you're not really gonna decry Trubisky for backing up one of his teammates or something at a shot or a, or any public criticism because I'm sure the Bears players know that Whitehair's taking some heat um for his play at center because many don't feel he's a natural center I'm rambling on at this point, Aaron. What do we think of this Daniels white hair mess and the Bears' insistence? I think that it's probably fair to give them the rest of the week to say, okay, let's see what happens in the game. Here's my expectation, and this is may, may not be a realistic expectation, but here's my expectation. If they kick off the game on Saturday, and I would expect the starters to probably play at least a quarter at this point. And yeah. Let, let's say they go out there, they 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 do their thing, and Cody Whitehair continues to struggle snapping the ball. I think at that point in time, much like what happened with John Timu, you know, and how bad he struggled that first game, and then they they turned around and gave it to Jonathan Anderson. Uh, I think that they need to do a very similar situation. Obviously, neither one of those two are going to start, but I'm talking about you know making an in-game adjustment with your quote-unquote starters in this situation. They actually are starters, and say okay. James Daniels is still getting only reps at center. I mean, that's been put out uh, multiple different avenues uh, this week so far. So, I mean, that's that's out there. I'm pretty sure you can probably confirm that as well because I think you were – well, I guess you were at practice last week. But the point being is, is you can't say that, oh, you know, we're just giving Daniels reps at center because we're, we're short at center when Hieronymus Grasso is back. They have other options at center right now. And it's very evident that they've seen something with Daniels to be at center. So the situation for me is simple. Okay. I think Cody Whitehair is a very good interior lineman, but the problem is he's had issues snapping the ball, especially in the shotgun. And that's going to do nothing but become an even bigger issue. And it has over the last week and a half, as you just pointed out. So, you know, Matt Nagy is going to run a lot of shotgun. It's just as simple as that a lot more than the bears did last year. So if this is continuing to be an issue, this isn't something saying, okay, get Cody Whitehair out of the lineup. This is simply saying move Cody Whitehair back to a more natural position at left guard and give a shot to the rookie that you spent a second-round pick on who should have won the first round by all accounts. I'm still shocked that he didn't. Whose natural position is center, who he's got everything that you absolutely want. Um, he's coached by a very similar uh, – or was coached by a very similar offensive line uh, guru in in their you know the Iowa State or Kurt, so the Iowa Kurt Ferentz Kurt, yeah. Kurt Ferentz the the head coach over there so you got two very similar mindsets with him and uh, Harry Heastand so 
make the move, it, you know, and, and that's kind of the thing at this point. Like you're giving him, you're giving him reps at center. You're not even getting him reps at guard anymore. And we've talked about this and I'm sure you're about to say it, so I won't spoil it, but make it happen. You know, it just, it seems like at this point they're kind of fighting, fighting whatever urge it is. I don't know if they don't trust a rookie center in this offense or whatever it may be. There's obviously things that we don't know about that go on in practice, but from what we're seeing, and especially from my vantage point, continuing to push white hair out there at center doesn't make much sense, especially if you have a capable 20 year old who you just spent a second round pick on, who's obviously ready to play right now. What I wonder about this is, is how much of this is like some kind of like machismo or some kind of like pillar or bar for Daniels to reach, to earn it, not to just give it to him and get the experience and get the experience right away, but to make him earn it into like, play this out as if it's some kind of competition it, it, and to me that that doesn't benefit anyone in any in any sense in any shape or form i think at this point white hair and this is just me doing my amateur psychosis psycho babble at this point white hair probably or likely thinks he's more of a guard himself because he's seen how daniels has played he's seen that the bears drafted a center this is a guy that I think this has been reiterated over and over again. Cody Whitehair was originally going to play left guard for the Bears before an injury to Hironis Grisou. So that's more of a natural position for him. And it's part of me thinks that he thinks it's, it's inevitable. And with Daniels, if you're making him earn it, why not like just play him out with the number ones and get him that time and see if he can hold up? You know, he, he had a week of practice or maybe like a week and a half-ish of practice before he played against the Bengals, against number twos, and he looked awesome. What's your issue? He looked awesome on a week and a half of, of like real practice at the position. He was receiving no center repetitions before that and comes into a game, I believe, blocked Chris Baker, a, a two- or three-time Pro Bowler of, with the Bengals. He's not obviously at that level anymore, but that was he's an established veteran and was consistently blocking him and, and handling him in his first action after maybe like seven or eight days of practice. It makes no sense to me. This feels like – and I'm going to sound really stupid saying this. I don't want you to laugh. I don't want you to say – this just feels like a, like a, like a John Fox or, or a Dowell Loggins type thing where like with Adam Shaheen last year where they're just being stubborn, where they see something that they're concerned about and they don't want to pull the plug. It, it, makes, it, makes, little, it makes little sense to me. I, I don't think you're particularly wrong. And maybe that's just a mental mindset because we've dealt with John Fox the last three years. We've had to deal with the decisions that he makes. And maybe there is some sort of psychosis that's going into this. It's just all a mind game, whatever it may be. And like I said, I, to a certain extent, I'm, I'm fine. Okay, you know, if you want to start the game with Eric Cush at left guard and, and white hair at center, okay, that's fine. But if exactly what happened last week happens again this week and you're out after the first series or whatever, bad snaps are happening and it's really, you know, ruining the rhythm of what's going on, you've got to make the switch because here's the reality of the situation you have, you're going to have your starters out for maybe a quarter, quarter and a half. And then you've got probably a, a full half of football next Saturday. And then after that, you've got pretty much, you know, the last final, you know, few days of practice, you got a game on Thursday. So it's a short turnaround. Then you're making roster cuts and then you're into week one. So things are really, really getting close to where you need to make the decision and your comparison and why I think it might be somewhat valid. And hopefully it's not just mental is the fact that this seems to be developing somewhat late. 
And that's why I'm I'm waiting to really, I guess, project my frustration until we see what happens on Saturday. Because I have this feeling that something's going to happen or maybe we just get surprised and, and Daniels goes out there and, he, and he, he gets some reps with the first team. Maybe it's at the, you know, after the first few series, whatever it may be. But at this point, I don't see any gain from the Bears' side in general of saying, okay, we're going to, we're going to keep white here at center for one. And then two, let's just keep Eric Cush at, at a left guard. That doesn't make any sense because in my mind, regardless if it's center or left guard, you've got a 20 year old that you just spent a second round pick on. I know I've said that millions of times, but it, mm-hmm. it, it just bears repeating. <laughs> and you've got a veteran in Eric Cush who's been a spot starter. He's a guy that's is a really good depth piece for you, but that's it. So it doesn't, it behooves the bears in this situation with all the young pieces that they have, everything else that they have, you know, starting up brand new, to put him in the starting five. He's probably, well, I would say probably, I think he is one of their best starting five. And it doesn't make any sense to me personally to even be screwing around with this Eric Cush thing any longer. He's a good depth piece and that's it. So even that worst case, if you want to put him at left guard, but the Bears are making it very obvious that they obviously see something in Daniels at center. So make the freaking move, man. I mean, just it's just as simple as that. I, I, I don't need to see anything else. All right, scale of 1 to 10, 1 being he's benched and the Bears aren't satisfying with him, and 10, he's absolutely one of the starting five, regardless of guard or center. Uh, where do you put James Daniels um, on that scale against we, start against the Packers in week one? I'm going to say I, I'm still pretty confident. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say an 8. I'm not going to go full 10, but I, I, I'm pretty pretty confident that he, whether it be at guard or center, he's going to be starting week one on that line. All right, let's move on to um, – and I don't know. This might be – I don't know how much this is uh, valid or how much this is just talking up an opponent and, and, and general fluff. But it seemed to me, just based off quotes that we've seen in the past few days, that the Broncos seem to be enamored with Mitch Trubisky. You have Von Miller the other day saying just – and I, and I can pull up the exact quote, so I so I so this has more uh, credence to it. <clears throat> the other day, Von Miller, after Mr. Bisky had reportedly looked very sharp, sharp and ripped the Broncos' defense, Miller said, "Mitch is a great quarterback. I think with the offensive scheme and the players they have around him, he's going to be great. He was great last year, great in college as well. He's their franchise quarterback. He could do a little bit of everything, so you have to be prepared for everything." Now that does sound like fluff. But this comes on the heels of a part in my take appearance in March where he said when asked to discuss the NFC North landscape and Kirk Cousins' addition to the Vikings, he mentioned Trubisky saying, Mitchell Trubisky, he's going to be great. He was the first quarterback he actually mentioned on the podcast ahead of Cousins, ahead of Rogers, Aaron Rodgers, and ahead of Matthew Stafford. Then today, I'm, I'll get to it, Aaron. I know you're patiently waiting. John Elway said after the Bears' second joint practice with the Broncos, I liked Mitch coming out. I'm sure he's in his second camp and things are a little more clear, and he has a good feel for playing as much as he did last year and going through his first year. I think Mitch has got a lot of talent and he's got a chance to have a really successful career. I think they continue to make strides. It's always hard. He's putting a new offensive, uh, offensive system that he's got to get used to, excuse me, and physically he's got all the tools. Again, yes, that's... That could sound like fluff to someone, but for I for one believe it's the Bron- I for one believe it's the Broncos um, 
either being a little bit envious considering their recent quarterback position and signing Case Keenum. Maybe they're not that – maybe they're not be- believers as much and that this is finally someone outside of the Bears bubble seeing what the Bears have projected with Trubisky. I think – I'll be completely honest. Any any of the quarterback evaluation that John Elway has, I don't – Yeah, that's for. also fair. That's also fair. I don't care for it at all. But what I will say with the, the, the Von Miller thing is very interesting to me because the one thing that really hasn't been pointed out very much in favor of his, you know, his evaluation of, I guess, Trubisky is that this is somebody that was, uh, you know, the, the, Trubisky had his opening hoorah in the preseason against the 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 Broncos. I mean, oh, yeah, all, yeah. The, ten, the, the 10 straight completions, the 18 to 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, Von Miller saw him from the minute that he went. Now, I'll be completely honest. I mean, I'm dude, I'm one of the biggest Trubisky fans there is out there, but I can also be objective and say that he had moments where he flashed last year, and he also had moments where he was not good. But under no circumstances whatsoever would I say that he was remotely close to great at any point last year. But with that being said, I, I do think that there is something to the fact that Von Miller has said this on multiple occasions. And, you know, it, it's it, it definitely I mean, there's got to be some merit to it just for the simple fact that it's Von Miller who's one of the best pass rushers in the league. He's played with guys like Peyton Manning. He's played against guys like Tom Brady. Uh, you know, he he knows good quarterbacks. I mean, he his job may be to sack good quarterbacks, but he knows good quarterbacks. So. I definitely think there's some merit to it, you know, to it uh, some way, shape or form. And it's, it's definitely nice to see, but I'll speak for myself and say, I, you know, I'm really tired of the hype in general around this team. I just want to see it. I, I even, even this Saturday, man, I just want to see something worth feeling excited about going into week one. Yeah. I feel like really offensively that, I mean, there, you have the camp highlights, you have the videos, you have all of this, you have Von Miller speaking the offense and Trubisky up, but, I mean, I'm in the same boat. I want to see at least, at least give us a flash play to back up one flash play to back up the hype. That shouldn't be too much. Make a future Hall of Famer's words, and Von Miller is going to be a Hall of Famer. I don't, at least at his pace. I don't think you disagree. Make those words mean something. I'm not sure that Trubisky actually pays attention to what opposing players say of him anyway. But you know, I'm I'm sure some of his teammates do. I'm sure. Obviously, as people who are going to listen to this podcast, the fan base does. I'm sure all the reporters, all of the aggregates, pick that quote up. Make it mean something. Like, fill. Don't be hollow. Don't just be filled with helium. Just make it mean something. I, I, that, I, I don't think that's too much to ask. No, not at all. I, I think that's kind of. I, I definitely, I'll, I'll admit, I'm a little bit more relieved now that the whole Roquan situation's figured out. But now it's kind of one of those things. I get it. You know, last week, whatever, it's going to take him a little bit to get going. Uh, I like the fact that Trubisky sounds like he's really progressed. Hold, hold on, the hold, last. hold on. What, what you meant with the Roquan thing? I, I wanted, I wanted to say something. Now that, yeah, now that Roquan's holdout's over, now we can focus on Mitch Trubisky's preseason practice interceptions. That's that was the that's the real focus now. Anyway, yeah, right. Yeah. Well, and that's and that's and this is something that you can speak to because you were there. So, you know, it's it sounded like, and you, you know, talking to you and seeing reports that it sounded like towards the end of of camp, uh, outside of the game, it sounded like Trubisky was starting to make some strides. Maybe not look great by any means, but it sounded like he was starting to make some strides, and it sounded like he was doing the same thing this week. So, I want to see it all put together. I yeah, I want to see consistency. That 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 was the, that's been the thing all preseason. 
I can count on one hand the number of, and I know people are always oh, practice. Okay, but I'm talking about from the prism of practice through the preseason, and and I can count on one hand the number of objectively good practices from my point of view that Trubisky had. I can count on one hand the number of practices where he didn't throw multiple interceptions. That started to stop, like you just said that I said at the end at the end of camp, and it started to he started to matriculate and really understand the offense now but let's just see it let's just see him be consistent let's see this offense um let's see this offense pick it up which <clears throat> an important part of that offense aaron is alan robinson and before we talk before we talk about alan robinson who's going to play in his first game uh first official bears game after missing the bengals game and missing the hall of fame game uh you can follow aaron on twitter at aaron lemming nfl you can follow me on twitter at robinson glinsky and follow us on twitter at wc gridiron Robinson's playing his first game on Saturday after recovering from AC injury. He's reportedly had a, I guess, a sharp for him, considering where he's coming from from his knee injury. A few days in Denver, uh, connected a few days, a few times with Trubisky in the end zone today, abusing Broncos corners like Chris Harris and Bradley Roby. Um, what are fair expectations for him? Is do you think Robinson almost um, him being eased in isn't? being talked about enough i think that i understand what they're doing and i don't think it's a bad decision by any means but it's kind of one of those situations and i've seen it reported a few times the last few days especially where i think it's getting to a point where yes you got to work a man but at the same time and you, you got to be smart but at the same time you've also you have to be able to establish some sort of chemistry with trubisky consistently and i think that's kind of where it's getting okay put them out on the field for a few series but come next weekend you know in the dress rehearsal game he needs to play the whole entire half ready to go no more taking practices off stuff like that i mean he it's getting to a point where yes the bears have a ton of options at receiver at tight end whatever it may be you didn't just sign a guy for 14 million dollars a year and give him the kind of guarantee that you gave him for him not to be the focal point of your offense, your number one receiver, your number one pass catcher, whatever it may be. So I think it's kind of getting to that point in the season. I, and I just said the same thing about rope one. I just said the same thing about, you know, the center position too, where things really need to start settling out these, these position battles, everything else that's going on need to settle out, but especially a guy like Kyle Long, a guy like Allen Robinson. Uh, these are the kind of players that need to be, good and ready to go and especially Allen robinson because he's somebody who is coming off a, a you know a pretty horrific knee injury and this is his first year in the system this isn't something like jordan howard who bangs up his knee uh and say well we're, we're just gonna send him out we we know what jordan howard's capable of yes it's the first year in the offense but we know what he can do same thing with Tariq cohen i'm not worried about him but a guy like Allen robinson you pay him the kind of money that you pay him you have the kind of expectations you have it's time to throw him into the water and see what happens at this point. If, if he somehow gets hurt or whatever it may be, then it's, it's obvious that there was some sort of medical miscalculation, but it's getting to that point where you have to throw him into the water and let him swim and let him figure it out. Yeah. I think in the preseason um, it's okay. If they start to ramp it up a little bit, let's not like go too far where he's playing. You know, if they play the first quarter, for, for example, on Saturday, have him play half, of the offensive drives. Let's I think they've continually stated that the goal is the opener, which that's the goal is the opener. So week one in green Bay on Sunday night football, 
use preseason as a warm up to really get Robinson going. I've heard a lot. I've seen a lot of sentiments that he's going to be in a pitch count during the regular season, but I'm more of your stance. Use the preseason as a pitch count. Use the preseason as a ways to get him ready to get Robinson full go if he's going to be the number one. So where you know if like you just said, if he gets hurt against the Packers after going 100%, but this was never going to work out because you're not paying him $14 million to play at 75 or 80% for five, for five or six games while returning from an ACL injury. You're paying him to catch eight to 10 touchdowns. You're paying him to catch 1,000-plus yards, and you're paying him to be a top-10 receiver, at least based off of his salary and based off of what you've previously seen from him. So um, I think the plan going forward through the next – two weeks because he's not likely going to get play against the bills in that fifth preseason game is fine. And then, you know, let the dragon loose. Um, let the, I guess, what was your let sink or swim? Yeah. Let him, let him swim by himself. Um, I've seen a lot of other sentiments saying that Anthony Miller is going to be the number one receiver, which I guess is fine, but, but you're basing it off of camp. This offense will be in trouble if the rookie wide receiver um, is the number one because I don't expect Miller necessarily to be Odell Beckham or anything. You need Robinson to be that number one if the Bears offense is going to have any success in 2018. Yeah, I agree. I, I think Robinson's definitely got to be the focal point. Obviously, uh, Trey Burton's also got to, you know, he's he's got to do his part and make his $8 million a year, at least come close to it. Anthony Miller could still be a big part of the offense, but I think it would be foolish, especially going back and looking at the the productivity yeah, of – what I'm saying is that, um, you know, Anthony Miller can still be good, but let's not, like, think of him as Odell Beckham. Yeah, well, and I 100% agree with you. I, I think that reasonable expectations for Miller, I would say, would be five, six, maybe 700 yards on the high side. But, I mean, just looking at this offense, we've had multiple conversations offline about this, that this offense is going to be it's, – it's designed to be spread around. I don't think there's going to be one guy like Allen Robinson, for example. I don't think Allen Robinson is going to have 1,400 yards. That's not my expectation for somebody like that. But I, I do think that he needs to be the top pass catcher, whether that be you know targets, whether that be yards, whether that be touchdowns, something along those lines. I think that he needs to be that way. And ultimately, like you said, if, if he somehow – if he somehow is hurt or doesn't do what he needs to do, I think regardless of who steps up, whatever it may be, they're going to struggle. And that's just kind of a big reality. I mean, they, they didn't give him $14 million a year to not be a big part of the offense. And I think that has to start week one. And maybe I'm being a little too tough and say, in terms of saying, I don't, you know, I don't take think him off you the pitch count, but I don't think you are. So I don't know. I mean, it sounds like we pretty well have the same take, but and maybe I'm just impatient. I I I want to see him play. I understand that they're taking it easy with him, but it's it's about time to at least let him get in and see what's going on because you don't want him to be unprepared for the season. And I, I'm I'm starting to get worried. That's that's the kind of the path we're heading down because they're taking, uh, you know, maybe too careful of a you know of a of a plan with him. Why do you hate Allen Robinson, Aaron? You know, I, I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> let's talk Let's talk that preseason game. Um, so we've discussed Trubisky. We've discussed the white hair and Daniels. We've discussed Washington Robinson. Um, with the offense and starters in general, and defensive starters in general, likely playing at least a quarter, what else should we be watching out for, Aaron? Well, I think there's, I think there's quite a bit. I, I, I mean, it, I, I think obviously, you know, starters, whatever it may be, uh, we've already hit on a few of them. I mean, obviously the offensive line's a big one. Um, I think you look at some of the positions. I think another one is going to be the backup 
uh, boundary corner position. Uh, I think that especially because Mukamara is probably not going to play. Surprise, surprise, he's got another nagging injury. Hopefully this doesn't go into it's the season. It's fine. It's the preseason. It's, just, it's fine. Well, that's what I'm saying. So, I mean, and this happened last preseason too. I'm just hoping he doesn't miss games. But I think that's a big one right there. I think I think the, the that that position, I mean, let's be honest, uh, Marcus Cooper sucks. I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm just you gonna do, throw that you out there. Do hate, you do hate Marcus Cooper. I don't have to ask that question. Continue. No, I yeah, my my <laughs> animosity with him started last week or last week last year against Pittsburgh. That was one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in my life. And I understood <laughs> them. Okay, bring him back, whatever it may be. But he's looked like crap. I mean, and maybe you can speak to that better than I can in camp. Maybe he looked better in camp, but he has not looked good at all in these first two games. No, part of you know, you know, all those Anthony Miller highlight plays and just him looking generally good. So a lot of that done was a lot of that was actually done on Marcus Cooper. So take yeah. that for what it. So take that for what it's worth. Um, so yeah, but but my question is, you know, you know, you, you know, you don't have a very good player in Marcus Cooper. So let's see more of even Doran Grant. I mean, Doran Grant's actually looked pretty decent. The guy I really want to see for this corner position is Kevin Tolliver. I understand he had an injury. I mean, he lit it up in camp early on, and there's just been nothing. And part of me kind of wonders if they're purposely doing that so they can sneak him on the practice squad. But I think this position battle for that backup corner position is wide open right now. And I think yeah, that not, the Bears – Don't count out Michael Joseph either. Yeah, and see, Michael Joseph has played well, and he looked like more of a projection to me. So I think boundary corner, uh, the, the backup boundary corner is definitely good. And then – I, I think defensive line. I mean, there's there any? I mean, there's so many. We could probably go on for for days. Do you have any input on any of the stuff that you're going to be looking for? Uh, yeah, I was going to say I was going to say pass rusher. So we touched on it at the top of the show. Um, Kylie Fitz was a no show against the Bengals. I think he was utter garbage. And I and obviously Isaiah Irving didn't travel to Cincinnati. Um, the Bears still have a huge issue there. I'm going to be curious. To, I would be curious to see if they make a move with Denver. I know it's been discussed with Shaq Barrett or Shane Ray. I'm still pretty meh on both of those additions. So I want to see what Fitz and Irving can do in a rebound. I mean, I, I know Denver's offensive line isn't necessarily great or even adequate, but that shouldn't mean that they have even more of a stellar performance in more time. Um, as long as Aaron Lynch is out, however long he's out, I don't expect him to be back anytime soon. He's still not practicing. Um I want to see one of those young guys flash and, and get back to a trajectory of potentially, you know, at least being a solid starter, at least being a solid rotational player. This defense badly needs an edge rusher opposite Floyd. Um, and right now it looks really precarious. You know me. I like Acho. And I, and I, and I, I like what Sam Acho offers, but you're not, that's not, he's not a difference maker. You're not getting even five to six sacks from him. You're, your defense is being held back if he's a starter. Um, he's a solid player at best, but he's not a different player. So you want to watch. You want to see Irving and Fitz. You want to see Irving and Fitz flash. So I mean, then that's 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 an interesting point because I, I feel the same exact like, way about Ocho. Solid player, probably more of a three or four than your number two. I mean, on a scale from one to ten at this point, I mean, how how concerned are you about outside linebacker, especially with Aaron Lynch? I mean, at this point. If he doesn't start playing, man, I don't think he's going to make the team. But at the, at the you know, they could make a trade. But I mean, what are they going to do? I, I'm concerned. How concerned I am about Aaron Lynch, or how concerned am I about the about the pass rush? About the, the pass rush in general. I don't think Aaron Lynch really matters at this point. Yeah, I don't think he matters either. Um, so yeah, I I know most people who follow me or read me or listen to me have not been railing about this all off season. Um, and what I essentially feared in January has come to fruition. I I don't. 
I don't want to say 10 for be to, to sound like I'm being hyperbolic, but I honestly think it's a 10. I think that we're in a situation where Leonard Floyd could have his real breakout year where he has 10 to 12 sacks and is one of the best edge defenders in football. And this is still one of the worst, and this could still be overall one of the worst edge groups in the NFL. And, th- and they could still be held back by whoever else is on the other side of, of Floyd. I, I really think it's that awful. Um, I don't, I don't have confidence that Fitz and Irving are going to flash against the Broncos or will flash as well as they did again in the Hall of Fame game, which was against depth guys for the Ravens. I don't have much confidence in Acho. And for as much as Floyd is my boy, until he plays, you know, a majority of the season, I don't have like so much confidence in him either having that kind of great season. So I'm at a 10. I'm at a 10. Honestly, this is the, this is the worst position the Bears currently have on their roster to me. And I agree. So, and this is something I've been thinking about for the last few days. It's like, what, what gets you even down to, let's say a five at this point? I mean, is there, is there any move possible out there within reason that would make sense for them that they could actually make? Oh, I think I think Ray or Barrett probably get them down to like a seven, seven, maybe seven and a half, and then maybe maybe a Connor Bar I think is still out there. Maybe gets them to a six or seven. No, he signed with somebody. I can't even remember who it was. He? But he signed a two-year deal, really cheap deal, dude. It was like two and a half million dollars a year. I don't know why the Bears couldn't have done that. I think I don't know. I think at this point they're not going to find a star or any means. They're not going to find a real starter at this point to get it down to a five. They'd have to add like two like Sam Acho types, two guys that are going to get you four to five sacks in a rotational. Because um, aside from that, there, I don't see any move. Like I know a lot of people really like, oh, Shaq Barrett upside, Shane Ray upside. Well, there's a reason Denver would be willing to part with them. You know what I mean? There's a reason like Sha- there's a reason the upside and potential are the biggest selling points for sports fans. But it doesn't mean anything until you actually do it on the field. Um, uh, I'm, hold on, let me look at Connor Barr. Uh, no bar Rams, Barwin. Barwin, yeah, there was. I said Connor <laughs> Bar. Oh my God, I am awful. <clears throat> and he signed with the Giants, so that I don't know why the Bears didn't do that. He's only thirty-one years old. That would have been a move that I would have really liked. I would have, I wouldn't have felt that much better about the Bears' pass rush, but that would have brought me down to a seven and a seven. That's a really good player. That's a really good guy who knows his role. Um, you know, that's a guy that could thrive in a defense that has Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, Leonard Floyd, Roquan Smith, and Danny Trevathan, you know, taking the attention away from him. Um, I don't see a move out there. I see them entering the 2018 season and kind of at this point, it's going to be their wide receiver of last year where they, they survive, they try to survive at it for a few weeks and then it eventually just sinks the defense and sinks the, what, what the potential of what this defense could actually be. Yep, I'm very concerned about that. There is one guy that they could make a move for. There is one guy. About that. There is one guy they can make a move for, and we uh, <clears throat> we have multiple questions, and they're all Mac related questions. Uh, so <clears throat> first, Jonathan Wood, our good friend Jonathan Wood, asks: Once the Bears trade for ongoing holdout Raiders holdout, that is Khalil Mack. And Trubisky has his inevitable MVP breakout. How many points do the Bears win the Super Bowl by? So that's a nice segue um, for Khalil Mack, who may or may not be on the trade block. I don't think he's necessarily on the trade block at all. I think it's maybe a half percent of him being available and someone, oh, hey, we're going to godfather you and give you three first-round picks. Um, What would it take? for the Bears to actually make a Mac move, Aaron? What would it take? Because 
based off my eyes, that wasn't Khalil Mack in the 58 jersey on Monday or on Tuesday, that is. So what would it take for the Bears to get Mack and to finish this defense? I man, that's uh I I hate to say it, but I think something around probably a first rounder for this year, next year, and probably a third rounder either this year or next year. I mean, it's it's not going to be cheap at all. And that may be that may be underselling too. I, I do find it interesting. I want to say it was Sports Illustrated, maybe it's NFL.com. Something somebody asked, it was an it was an ex GM, uh, and I I can't even remember who it was now. I'll have to go back and read it later and maybe I can, you know, if somebody's curious, I'll post it on Twitter or whatever. But uh the the ex GM I want to say it was like Banner, Michael Banner, does that sound Joe about Banner. Right? It was Joe, Joe Banner. Banner. There we go. Yeah, Joe Banner. Uh and he said the low side of what he thought it would be would be a first and a third, and then the high side would be two first, depending on you know where the picking would be at. So I I mean personally speaking, if that let's just say the Raiders, you know, said that's what they were asking for, and I'm Ryan Pace. Hell yeah, I do that. But realistically, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but I mean, that's the kind of move. And maybe, maybe I'm a little more hyped up on this than 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 you are. But this is the kind of move that I think could take the Bears from potential top wait, ten wait, defense wait, wait, if wait, everything wait. goes right. What, wait, where, where are where are you on this hype scale? Give me a percentage. Where of this actually happening? I oh, well, actually happening, no. I don't think it's very high, but I'm saying if it happened. If oh, it okay. happened. I, I think I'd, be, the, I'd be pretty hyped if the Bears got Khalil Mack. That's a Super Bowl contender if they got Mack. Give me some credit. Okay, well, I, I see. I didn't I didn't think you were – as you were saying, because that goes from potential top 10 defense of everything in the world goes right to, I'd say, guaranteed probably top – at least top seven, top five defense, top Super five. Bowl caliber defense. Yep. And, I mean, that's that's a huge move. Obviously, you you miss out on some of the first-round picks, whatever it may be. But at the same time, you could probably spend those next two first-round picks on pass rushers and still not get the quality of player that you'd get in Khalil Mack. You're getting, you're getting what you get in a Mack trade, and that's, again, if he's traded. It's not going to happen, but if he's traded, you're getting a future, another Hall of Famer. You're getting a guy who has 40.5 sacks in four years, which that doesn't take into account how many other times he just in general disrupts the quarterback and pressures them. Uh, you have a guy who's a former defensive player of the year, probably will add at least another another award or two under his belt before it's all said and done. He's only 27. Um, and it would be a move where you're going all in on this Trubisky window thing where you're paying Mac as the highest-paid defensive player in the year or the highest-paid defensive player in, in football because Trubisky's at his cheapest, and you can maintain him and you can have him the extension for three or four years. So um, it would be a win-not move the highest order. It would change this defense. I think – for me, the only thing that would actually make sense for the Bears um, is probably a first and a, probably two firsts, maybe a first and a high second. It, it, like you said, Joe Banner said it depends on where those selections are. So if it's a low first, if it's something in the teens or if it's something in the 20s, that's probably not going to be something of value. But if you have something, again, in the top 10, let's say the Bears struggle, go 6 and 10, 7 and 9 this year, and they're number 9 or number 11, and then you, you throw in your second rounder, and then maybe trade Nick Kwiatkowski or maybe trade Danny Trevathan. The Raiders have a real needed inside linebacker. Um, John Gruden is stupid enough to value that over a generational pass rusher. So that's probably a deal that could be done. That's probably a deal that probably would take. He might throw in another mid-round pick, but that's probably what it would take to get a Mac. That's a really hefty cost. Um, what would actually get it done, and I hate myself for even suggesting this, um, I guess it just depends on how Gruden feels about him too. 
is throwing in Leonard Floyd. I don't think the Bears would do that, but I think that would that 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 would probably guarantee it. It would be a swap, but you're getting a proven defensive player of the year. You're getting a proven top three top top three defensive player, arguable defensive player in the league versus Floyd, who still has to do it, um, and that would probably guarantee it. So, um, yeah, feel free to chide me, whatever. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I could definitely see that as a possibility. But what I will say is a situation like with a with the Leonard Floyd, yes, you're upgrading Leonard Floyd, but at the same time, you still have a situation where you have Sam Ocho standing on the other side, and if he goes yeah, down, I, then I, I, Isaiah I knew, Irving. I knew when I said it. I'm just, I, I'm just, I was just saying like of an, of another. No, it's of another. I think it's. I think it's somewhat realistic, though. I mean, not not overall realistic, but in 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 the you know in a scenario where the Bears would trade for Khalil Mack, I could see that making sense for absolutely sure. But it's just one of those situations for the Bears. It's like, you know, yes, you're upgrading that one position, but then you're also going to be paying that guy a ton of money, and you still have another hole there. So it's. It's kind of one of those. It's like yes, it makes them better, their defense better, but I don't think it makes them nearly as good as if they still have Leonard Floyd and Cleo Mack. But then again, you're talking about a much higher price too. So I don't know. It's that's a tough situation. I know Bears fans are excited and they want something like that to happen, and I wouldn't mind it either. But I mean, the reality of something like that happening are very slim to none. Uh, my yeah, how biggest... many how many Hall of Fame players level players get traded? Like legitimately get traded ever. I, I can't think. I can't think of like one. Maybe like Chad Bailey. That was the last real like huge NFL trade. I, I can't think of one off the top of my head. Yeah. I'm. Well, I guess no. I guess the last one would probably be because uh, didn't pay Manning. Did he get traded or he just? Get no, released? that was the last big. That was the, that was a free agent move. But yeah. So like, okay, let's just say move. let's just say in general like star players switching teams like that. It doesn't happen. That's how that that, that that's just the, the reality of the situation. Um, yeah, that's that's exactly right. Something will happen. I mean, we we always see situations like this where things look awful, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, then you know, Mac reports and everything's good. So more often than you know, more likely than not, I mean, he's he's still going to be with the Raiders or whatever it may be. But the good news is, on the you know, on the flip side of this is that the the free agent class as a whole next year is really good, and so is the draft class. So the Bears oh, will have a chance to add, but it just won't be until next year. It just won't be. It, they'll just have to suffer through 2018 of watching Floyd getting 13 to 14 sacks and and then the rest of the edge rush group just letting them down. I was going to say, in a stupid like say a brotherly division rival type thing, how much would it be worth the bear worth it to the Bears just from a obviously from a competitive standpoint and to keep them away keep them away from a rival. Would it be worth it to the Bears to trade for Mac if they knew that the Packers were aggressively in on him, just to drive up the price, or to even actually acquire him to keep him from going to Green Bay? Absolutely. I mean, that's uh, you just said it. I mean, that's that's probably a you know a, a Hall of Famer there. I mean, that's the last thing you need is a Hall of Fame quarterback terrorizing you on the offense and a Hall of Fame uh, defensive end terrorizing you on the defense. I, I just don't think that's. That would be one of those situations where, yeah, you probably had to say, okay, let's let's try to get something done. And I mean, let's be realistic. The Packers did that. They they drove. Well, I don't know if they drove up the price, but they were in the bidding on Allen Robinson. They at least, at very worst, they drove up the price on uh, on Kyle Fuller with that offer sheet. I mean, the the Bears and the Packers have already been kind of going back and forth on a few different players this year. And 
I mean, it would be really cool to see the Bears hit the trifecta in a situation like that. But that that's my ultimate nightmare right now because we've seen some some ties with Reggie McKenzie and and the, the the Packers front office and stuff like that. It's like, man, that would be an absolute disaster for the Bears if Khalil Mack somehow got dealt there. Yeah, it feels like we're coming to a head with that. It feels like the Bears and Packers are going to have another unofficial matchup here in the next few weeks. If Should Mack actually hit the trade block, that's why I mentioned that. Um, but alas, for now, we can live at peace and just live with our shitty edge rush situation and just live with the Packers staying put. Um, Aaron, I gotta say, I appreciate you coming on. This is our first real, all official Windy City Gridiron podcast. As the same person, it wasn't really difficult for me to get you on. Yeah, you know, I have such a such a busy schedule. Although lately, it's with uh, with this new job, and my my wife's got a new schedule, so it's been trying to coordinate it because it's like I'm on. You know, for for those that don't know, I'm on the West Coast, so. It's it's what what is it right now? Seven thirty my time as we're recording this, and it's nine thirty on you know on, on your side. So it's trying to coordinate something to where it works for the both of us has definitely been a little bit more difficult. But hopefully, uh, hopefully we can keep doing stuff like this. Hopefully we can keep moving forward, and you guys can follow Aaron on Twitter at Aaron Lummet NFL. He writes for us, not Windy City Gridiron. He also contributes at the Bear Report. Uh, Offers great insight, as always, on Twitter. And, as always, great conversations with him over podcast forums. Follow me on Twitter, at Robert Zuglinski. And you can follow us overall on Twitter, at WCGridiron. As always, everybody, this is the Nick Kwiatkowski episode of Winnie's WCG Radio. It's <laughs> number 44. So, as always, stay classy. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.